The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 57. Hey everyone, it's Mike Michalowicz here, author of Profit First. Now speaking of first, when it comes to podcasts, there is one, and I mean one on my list, and it's the Read to Lead podcast with my buddy, Jeff Brown. Focusing on anybody else but yourself when that work needs to be done, unless it's in an emergency situation, you're you're procrastinating or you're distracted. And neither of those things is good. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now here's Jeff. Hi there, and welcome once again to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where we sit down with a successful and inspiring author each week to talk about their latest book and their insights on leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business. And in today's episode, you and I get to sit down with Eric Fisher, who is author, along with Jim Woods, of the book Hit the Mark, Improve Your Focus, Boost Your Energy, Make the most of your time. And in today's episode, Eric's going to share why taking things as they come is not a good strategy, what can happen when we branch out too far from our strengths, how to tell the difference between a hobby and a passion, and quite a bit more. In my chat with Eric, recorded several days ago, you'll notice that my mic sounds a little bit different. Well, that's because I took my computer on a trip, and when I came back, I forgot to plug the cord, and it goes from my mixer to the computer. So what you're actually hearing is my built-in computer mic picking me up and not my actual microphone that I'm using right now. So you'll be able to hear me just fine, but I knew I wouldn't be able to get away with not explaining why there's a difference between that. That and what you're hearing right now. This episode is brought to you in part by Business Gets Personal. Dave Ramsey is teaming up with marketing powerhouses Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk for a one-time event in New York City. It's called Business Gets Personal, and it's happening Thursday, October 2nd, 2014. You can find out more at readtoleadpodcast.com slash Dave. Use the discount code READTOLEAD to save $100 on every ticket you purchase. Thanks also to Blinkist for quick and easy to read business book summaries where you get all the key insights and main ideas from your favorite business books in about 15 minutes. To find out more, read to leadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. And during the month of September 2014, use the discount code Android is here to save 30% off an annual subscription. Well, if the name Eric Fisher is familiar to you, that's probably because this is Eric's second appearance on this show. His first came on episode 11, by the way, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 011, if you'd like to check that out. And where we talked about his first book in his three-book series, a book that is now called Ready, Aim, Fire, A Practical Guide to Setting 
and Achieving Goals. It was known by a different title back then. His second book in the series, and the one that we will focus on today, is called Hit the Mark. Improve your focus, boost your energy, and make the most of your time. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Jeff, thank you for having me back. It is a pleasure and an honor. Now, you're only the second person we've ever done that with, the other being Chris Brogan. So you're in elite company here. Oh, wow. That is very cool. I appreciate being in Chris Brogan's company did, digitally or however that works. Absolutely. Well, I thought we'd start off by having you share a bit about your philosophy on what is at the crux of your new book, The Intersection of, of Energy and Time and Focus. Yeah, the the book, again, I mean, we call it Hit the Mark because the first one, when we rebranded it, we suddenly knew how to head towards the second book. Mm. The first book was, you know, again, like you said, it was originally called Beyond the To-Do List um, Goals. And we, we really kind of come from that place, Jim and I, the uh, – and I didn't say Gemini. That's way weird. <laughs> Jim Woods and I, my co-author – really came from a place of you can't really get things done unless you know what it is that you're supposed to be getting done, you know? <laughs> right. And so that's where the first book, and you can go back and listen to that episode. It's a great episode, mostly because of Jeff. And <laughs> it's all about setting the goals. It's all about prioritizing. It's all about taking stock in your life. It's almost like doing a life audit. Or if that sounds nerdy, um, you know, looking at the relationships in your life mm -hmm. and figuring out what's priority. And only by doing that can you then start to head towards uh, the bullseye, in other words. And and so this book, though, is more about, well, you've figured some of that out. Now how do you actually get work done? How do you actually move towards those goals? How do you actually accomplish them? Let's make you a better archer, in other words. Mm -hmm. And so you can actually start hitting the target, hitting the mark. And so we're all familiar with doing work. Some days we'd rather, you know, do less work and get more completed. Some days, you know, if you're going to finish anything, it, it takes having focus. By, by focus, I mean giving your complete attention to the task at hand. In other words, right now, I'm talking to you, Jeff. My phone is on airplane mode. I'm in a quiet room. I have headphones on so I can't hear anything else. In fact, my family's not even here at the house with me. <laughs> I've I've gone through the process of saying from this slot of time, there is one thing I'm supposed to be doing, and that's what I will do. Hmm. And by having that that focus and even that energy <laughs> and time set aside, you see this this crux of how those come together, is if any one of those is a little bit low or dragging at least I can kind of do enough, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had some coffee. It's late in the afternoon here. Um, I set aside the time. I knew that it was coming up, so I didn't you know, wear myself out or schedule something else at the same time. <laughs> um, so it, it, it really means focusing and finishing. It means completing work. It's, it's great to do some stuff and feel like you got stuff done, but it's even better to know you finished something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And note to self, put phone in airplane mode during future <laughs> interviews. <laughs> well, if you're anything like me, you're, you're, you're guilty sometimes of, of taking things as they come and making decisions on things uh, as, they, as, they, as they hit you. Yes, I'm going to do this or no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do this. Uh, and Eric talks about this in the book. Eric, why is taking things as they come not a good strategy? Well, 
kind of piggybacks on what where we were just at. Taking things as they come for me means allowing outside forces to dictate what you'll work on or focus on. In other words, you're not in control. Everyone else is, and they can tell you what to do. But here's the thing. I mean, we've all had those days where at the end of it, you feel drained. You know you did stuff, but you almost feel like you didn't have anything to show for it, right? Mm. It's about who's the boss, and I don't mean the 1980s sitcom. <laughs> I mean, are you? I mean, it, it, you know, depending on what role you're in, are you an entrepreneur? Are you a, a solo person who stays at home? And then, sorry to tell you, but your boss sucks because <laughs> you know. And, and, and I have to, you know, I've got a mirror here, and I'm pointing right at me. No, um, or. You're in an office or you work on a small company and you're in a small team or whatever. I mean, no matter what, it's about who is dictating what it is you're supposed to be doing, whether that's you, whether that's a boss or someone else. When it's internal or external, it's being on task with what you've been told to do and then doing it. So here, for example, if you're the boss, then you need to have a meeting with yourself to find out what it is you need to do. And then you also need to have that meeting with that boss and say, okay, well, if my, and then, you know, quote unquote coworker, which is also you, interrupts me, <laughs> how do I deal with that? And then, you know, take that to the, the literal meaning. If you're in, uh, you know, your boss is telling you what to do and you're talking to that other person, it's not you. That's your boss. Mm. And then you know, then you can start to place, that is, these other things that come up in kind of a decision-making rubric or process that as they come at you during the day, and hopefully you've already got some type of boundary set up to where, you know, you like, for example, like I said, right now, airplane mode mm. on my phone. Nobody else has my attention but you, Jeff. It's <laughs> you and me. Mm. And that's the way it's set up. And that's because that's, where I mean, I, wherever I am, be there. That's one of the things that's kind of a mantra I try to hold on to. And by doing that, then I focus in and accomplish where it is that I'm at and what it is I'm, I'm doing right now. So, yeah, taking things as they come. I mean, it'd be like, oh, my phone rings. Oh, hey, Jeff, hold on just a sec. Let me answer this. <laughs> right. Hey, Jeff, I'm going to have to call you right back. Okay. Now, where were we at in that interview? And do you see how absurd that is? Yes. And yet we do that to ourselves, either in a workplace or, you know, our home offices or even coffee shops, whatever. However you get your work done, that scenario plays out all the time. I've had it happen all the time to myself or from someone else. Well, you've hinted a little bit, I think, at my next question. Eric covers in the book this topic that he calls focusing on yourself. About a third, maybe half the book is on this topic of focus. Now, taken out of context, focusing on yourself can sound a little bit, a little bit selfish, but I know you've got a plan here too, Eric. Why is focusing on yourself so important? This is sort of akin to, hey, you know, when the, when the masks come down to the plane, put your mask on first and then take care of everybody around. Is that that sort of concept or is there something else? Well, there's a little bit of that to it for sure. I mean, the fact is, is that when you're talking about getting work done, you're talking about getting your work done, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. focusing on anybody else, but yourself when that work needs to be done, unless it's in an emergency situation, 
you're you're procrastinating or you're distracted. And neither of those things is good. By focusing on what you need to do, especially if you've figured out how that is for others in the end, whether that's, you know, you're doing your work and you're supporting your family or your work is empowering others like your customers or even, you know, helping out a friend when you can. It, it, by having that matter of priority in place, that's that's one way to look at your work. But the other and the real crux of what we get to talking about in the book is focusing on yourself it's not it's about not being distracted by rankings or profiles or what other people are doing if you go back to you know elementary school or high school it's like sitting in class and instead of doing your work you're looking at the clock you're looking out the window or you're looking at others in the room and how they're doing their work or taking the test and then freaking out because you're not getting your own work done and you suddenly <laughs> like oh no there's only 5 minutes left to finish this test and all that while, if you had just honed in on what it is you need to do, which isn't being selfish because you've tasked, you've been tasked with it, mm. whether by someone else or by yourself, if you get that stuff done. And we, we go on and we talk about how, you know, we've got every excuse in the world to go say, I'm, I'm interacting with people on Twitter or Facebook or reading this book for research. But, <laughs> <laughs> and in your case, reading books, it really is. But, uh, <laughs> You could even justify it and say, well, you know, no, sorry, sorry, honey, I can't hang out with you tonight. I've got to read a bunch more books for my podcast, right. you know, and and that's the thing is that is that actually is being selfish unless you've got it worked out to where, you know, you've got your again, your priorities set in stone or set in, in motion. Yeah, there's a time for that stuff. But when I've promised my wife time, I can't let other things come and interrupt that because that's not fair. That's not fair to her. Yeah. So, so it, again, it's the priorities. Yeah. I know that my mindset, Eric, used to be that I needed to spend the most time working on my areas of weakness. Uh, what happens when we branch out too far from our strengths and, and spend time on our weaknesses? Oh, gosh, I've been guilty of that myself. I've spent a ton of time and there's nothing there's nothing per se wrong with this, although I think that there's there's a lot of merit in focusing in on your strengths versus your weaknesses. This is one of those things, you know, with strength finders, that, that mm -hmm. whole test and, you know, other leadership and business type things that have come along in the past, mm, I don't know, 10 to 20 years that they, they talk about less about, you know, self-help and fixing yourself and changing the way you are instead of uh, embracing who it is you already are and the worth that you already have in your, your already existing talents and abilities. And there's nothing wrong with that. I actually love that idea because suddenly it's, it's turned around and you're, you're going with the momentum of the positivity. I don't really like that word, but <laughs> the, the momentum in yourself that's inherent in yourself in the fact that if you were to lean in, you know, and start to go with the flow that you're already naturally inclined to to be good at. Imagine, you know, I mean, it, it's like if if Superman suddenly decided to be Batman. You know, it's like <laughs> he stops flying, <laughs> he starts hanging out at night in corners, and you know, like it doesn't make sense, dude. You're Superman. You can fly. You can <laughs> you can do all these other things, and yet you're you're looking at you're looking over your shoulder at Batman and saying, "Why can't I be as good as him?" <laughs> we do that, though. Come on, yeah. we totally do that, and and that's the thing is like. We all, we all have our own strengths. And, and that's why, you know, for example, I mean, even with writing, 
I'm just so much better at, and especially even um, these days on my Mac and even my phone with new up the new iOS 8 update, just being able to like just sh- say out loud the words and have it dictate down and then come back and polish it, you know, like mm-hmm. – I guess I'm more of a I'm a talker and a podcaster, like Seth Godin says. Uh, you don't get talker's block, so <laughs> that's that's right, that's right. I identify with that for sure. Well, uh, one of the things that I value really, really highly, uh, and I think my wife appreciates this, and I encourage anybody uh, who has areas of struggle in their life to uh, bring in uh, elements of accountability. One way you can do that, of course, is with things like mastermind groups, and that's kind of group accountability. I also have an individual in my in my life that I meet with on a pretty much a weekly basis and have had for, for over a decade. And that's really more about personal accountability as a husband and that sort of thing. Uh, share why you value accountability so highly, Eric, and, and how it's played a role uh, in your life. Well, I think one of the reasons why I value it so highly is the fact that I know that the seasons of my life where I've not had it have been the seasons where I've not had any growth mm. or I've even stagnated or, or fallen backwards in, in some ways. And, you know, we can't trust ourselves. We all have this, you know, it's the, it's entropy. We, we all <laughs> are moving towards the least, you know, the, if we do nothing, we find, we, we tend to drift towards the least, um, I'm butchering this physics principle, but uh, you know, you get what I'm saying. Like we, we tend to want to move towards stillness and non-activity and, and let our momentum run out. And if you have accountability, that won't happen. In other words, any season of growth I've ever had has always been paired with accountability. In, in fact, this is kind of how you can overcome the, it, it, you know, I would say focus on your strengths and then in your weaknesses, get accountability. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the way you put it. I mean, it's like, look, my strength, my strength is like a shield or a sword. My weakness is my back where I then need somebody else to put their back up against me in, in fighting formation. And mm. that's how we don't lose the fight. Excellent. Good, good, good. I love that analogy. What are some signs that, that, that you're a procrastinator? What, what should we look out for? The baby not won't be so obvious. Um, I think I'll ask you this one later. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there for just a second. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're like wait, what? No. Uh, putting things off. It, it's not always a, I mean, again, procrastination. When people hear that word, they're like, oh yeah, you're lazy or you don't get stuff done or you put things off. And sometimes procrastinating is a symptom. Usually actually procrastination is a symptom. It's a symptom of one, you don't want to do the thing. And and two, you have an underlying reason for why you don't want to do the thing. And it probably isn't because you're lazy. Although sometimes that laziness can come from either, uh, again, distraction or lack of focus or lack of energy or lack of time or at least the appearance or uh, your appearance or, or perception, I should say, of those things being true. They may not necessarily be true. And, and, and the thing is, is that also only doing work when you feel like it. That's another one mm-hmm. where it's kind of like a lack of discipline. Again, if you don't have a reason to accomplish or, or to check, you know, to check that task off your to-do list, then you probably will not feel a reason to do it, right? right. It's, it's one of those things where, I mean, it, this is common sense. It really is. 
but we don't look at it <laughs> like my dad always used to drive me nuts saying is you know common sense isn't common and i'm like <laughs> but it's true like if common sense was common <laughs> then it would be common um it's one of those things where again if if i am not doing what it is that i should be doing there is probably an underlying reason for that whether it's lack of preparation lack of deciding or commitment to that action and what it really means. I mean, some people, you know, some people want to oversimplify it and just say, you know, it's either it's Stephen Pressfield's the resistance or Mm. it's John Acuff saying it's fear or it, it, but it, it could be all those things, but really it's probably that you've not fully committed to that task and what it means to accomplish it. Eric uh, spent some time in the book talking about helping you differentiate between a hobby and a passion. And Eric, as, as I read this, something that came to my mind that I had never really thought about before was as I was younger and growing up, I, I came to this realization just today, really, that, that if, if there was something I was doing that I enjoyed doing a great deal, that usually equated, by, just because of how I was taught, that I, that I, I must be goofing off. If I like doing this thing and it's something fun, I'm not doing work. I'm, I'm having fun. And that has carried itself into my adult life. And I've, over the last few years, realized that something that I've come to enjoy, which is, which is reading, and something that I, I do for fun, doesn't necessarily have to be something that's a hobby. Um, I enjoy it enough that I've turned it into a podcast. And, and I love sharing what I'm learning. Help us understand uh, the difference between a hobby and a passion, and, 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 and if, if you think it warrants it, why enjoying something and having fun doing something doesn't mean necessarily that you're, 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 you're not being productive, I guess. Oh yeah. Well, uh, you're you're talking you're talking about it, it's funny it's it's very much again to go back to John Acuff. He he says that you know, you find a passion often it's not you that you're finding it, it's that you're reclaiming it. It's mm. that you realize you've had it all along and you've just kind of let it fall away because like you said, you know, it seems like you're goofing off if you're even entertaining the thought of it being something you could do as a living or a career or a calling, all those different words have different, you know, nuanced meaning to them, but they all kind of come off the same prism mm. in a sense of doing what you're meant to do. You know, I think it really comes down to if you know, here's a, well, here's the thing. Let, let's put this out of its misery right now. You can actually make a living off a hobby. You could, mm. you really could. It wouldn't have to be a passion. It could just be something that you're good enough at. And, and a lot of times, some of us settle for that. Um, I think it really comes down to the difference between a hobby and a passion being how you feel when you're doing it. At least that's my definition. Mm. Do you enjoy doing it? That would be a hobby. But if you get a rush from it, that's a passion. Mm. Is it fun? That's a hobby. But is it rewarding? Well, that's a passion. And that's not to say you don't enjoy or have fun doing your passion, but it's that difference between something being just you could never not do it ever again and that would kill you. <laughs> you know, it's like you could tell me, all right, you're never going to be able to play video games again. All right. Well, those that's fun to do, I guess. But if you told me I could never watch a movie ever again, I, I would I would fight you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's one thing to be. you know, And both those things are fun. Yeah. But one of them is rewarding. One of them like. 
oh my gosh, I want to study. You know, and, and, and I've seen this in my own life. I've seen this with, um, you know, I, and this kind of goes back to the whole uh, weakness and strength thing. And, and that's another key, actually. That's another cue as to what's a hobby and what's a passion is. If your strength is kind of, you know, aiming you momentum-wise towards something, more likely than it just being a hobby, although you can accumulate a lot of hobbies together and then <laughs> use it as a passion. Um, case in point, I'm kind of doing that myself. Like I used to run around with a tape recorder and I would record things, you know, hence <laughs> podcasting. Yeah. Uh, I used to play video games all the time. I would watch movies all the time. I hated uh, math and other subjects in school, but I loved history and English. And, it was, and I realized that it was about storytelling. And so you can kind of see, you know, working, I can see now in hindsight where that kind of all comes together in terms of communication and storytelling and even audio or tech stuff. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, I wouldn't have ever guessed that I could record something at home and put it out there and get paid to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, th- that's a very, you know, it's an all over the place answer. I admit that, but it's not, and it's not an easy way to answer, and you got to answer it for yourself, honestly. But again, I, I think if if you can ask yourself if you get in a rush from it, even if it's hard, or if you feel like it's rewarding, even when it's difficult, it's probably a passion. Thank you so much for checking out this interview with Eric Fisher. We've got more to come, but I wanted to chime in here real quick and let you know about the Business Gets Personal event happening Thursday, October 2nd, 2014. You may know Dave Ramsey. He's the author of five best-selling books and host of a nationally syndicated radio show heard on over 500 stations across the country. Well, Dave is teaming up with marketing powerhouses Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk for a one-time event in New York City. It's called Business Gets Personal. Dave has the number one book on business with Entree Leadership. Seth Godin has the number one market blog in the world. Gary V is the expert when it comes to social media marketing. It's an event that's going to be packed with information that will help you build, grow, and profit in business. Now, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to start a new business, you definitely want to be here. If you're already running a successful business and you want to learn how these guys started from scratch and are now the best in their fields, you need to be there. Find out more at readtoleadpodcast.com slash Dave for Business Gets Personal Thursday, October October 2nd, 2014, and use the discount code READ to LEAD for $100 off every ticket that you purchase. Again, that's readtoleadpodcast.com slash Dave. And now back to our conversation with Eric Fisher. Well, you spent some time, too, in the book talking about the importance of setting boundaries for yourself, and I'm curious to know, uh, how do you suggest uh, we do that without them feeling so restrictive? Because, you know, we've got to be creative. <laughs> I I hear that. I, I think that it, what's funny is is that I think that it it is actually like I think it literally is a restriction. It's it's saying, hey, right now no one is here at the house. Well, I guess the dog is, but you know, if uh, <laughs> like I said before, I'm going back to it again. Hey, the airplane mode on my phone it is restricting anything else from pinging me while I'm talking to you. So that's a boundary. That's a restriction. Um, I, I think that one way to set those boundaries is to set them with time limits. That makes them not feel so restrictive. Like if I say to myself, okay, 
so for example, <laughs> so for example, I didn't tell my family to leave the house for the entire day. It was just for this time while I was talking. <laughs> that would feel restrictive. Right, right. <laughs> so, it, I think if you're somebody who feels restricted by setting boundaries, then set small ones or even set just really set them very broadly, but in the sense that it's going to keep you from uh, not having the attention where you need it to at certain times. I mean, that's the thing you're going to have to, it's very contextual. You're going to have to ask yourself, all right, where is it that I feel like when I need to do this one thing, insert, you know, do a Mad Libs, insert here. When I do this, when I need to do blank, I find myself doing blank. <laughs> and then it's, okay, well, how do you keep yourself from doing that second blank so you can do the first one? Hmm. Well, so we're setting boundaries and, and we're, we're, we're considering our focus and making sure we're giving attention to what, what deserves it at that moment. Is there a right time to multitask, though? And if so, when? All right, there are there are right ways to multitask. I'm gonna bust the myth there that multitasking is always bad. <laughs> um, listening to podcast while driving is one great way mm. to multitask because you can listen to something and really get everything out of that podcast. You know, podcasts like this one, mm. and that's one way to do that. Or even walking. So, so in other words, you know, working out or doing health conscious type stuff that we really almost feel like we need a distraction from <laughs> so that we can actually make ourselves do it. Um, things like that. You know, if there's things that you want to get done that you feel you don't want to sit and do, but has to be done, then find out something else that you can kind of layer that along with. So here's my new one. Uh, our dishwasher broke and we're not going to replace it. And because it's not one of those built in ones. Mm. And so since I'm here at home and there's certain days where nobody's here but me, I can work on something for about 20 minutes and then get to a point where it's OK. I need to think about this for a minute and then I'll go into the kitchen and I'll do some dishes. And while I'm doing the dishes, which doesn't require a lot of active thought, mm -hmm. my mind is still, you know, is still at the desk thinking about the problem or the creativity or the solution or however you want to put it. And then I'm still in work mode in my mind, but in my, in my body, I'm doing something else. So I'm doing two things at once. And I, I the key is pick something that you don't need to have more than 10, 15, 20% of your brain to, to manually do while you actively use the, you know, 60, 70, however many plus, other percent of your brain for something else. Hmm. Well, you talked a little bit about uh, multitasking, the right ways to do that. Of course, one of the ways that I leveraged that when I had a commute is listening to podcasts and audiobooks uh, during my morning commute to work and that sort of thing. But you talk about how the drive home is, is a little bit different or should be. Why, why do you, why do you feel that way? Yeah, I, I, and this is something, honestly, I'm struggling with right now. I admit that. This is one of those things where everybody is home at the end of my quote-unquote workday around 5 o'clock, and I am already home. So I'm trying to make it get to a place where I either head outside or as the winter weather starts to come soon, you know, figure out a way to disconnect and take that time to switch over my mind uh, mentally because I've, I have found that by not shifting and I used to do that actually when I did when I did used to have a commute <laughs> I would get home and I wouldn't have taken the time 
on that commute intentionally to recalibrate my mind or my attitude or both to, okay, the day that part of my day is done. I no longer need to think about what, what was good or bad or whatever. And I now need to focus on where I'm at and again, be where I'm at and be with my family. So that is, that is one of the things where, uh, you know, again, focus, it's not, it's not just all about getting your work done. It's about doing what it is you say you're going to do. It's almost an integrity issue. It's a follow through on what you've said you're intentionally going to do. So, mm. uh, and for me, that's family in the evening for the most part. And so I, I like to, I've started to set an alarm where it's at about four thirty. uh, and, and I don't have a hard stop. I, I kind of need to, though, uh, where I have a hard stop and it's okay. Start to pack up what uh, – <laughs> how can I sit in my office for another half an hour and I'm quote-unquote working, but really I'm transitioning. I, I'm, I'm mentally commuting home, you know? <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> so I'm starting to do some of that and uh, where I'll pot, put on headphones and listen to music or uh, you know, do different things like that that kind of – it's all about recalibration. I mean, again, it's, it's about you've had one pace. Now you need to switch to a different one. You know, I, I've gotten better at that in the last, oh, maybe four or five months. But I really struggled with that when I was, you know, started self-employment here about a year or maybe 15 months ago, I guess. But I've gotten a little bit better about doing what you're talking about, sort of taking that time to recognize the clock. Okay, this next half hour is where I'm going to start to to transition. Or another thing I'll do is my wife and I have synced our calendars. So at any given moment, I can, uh, I can see what she's doing during the day. She can see what I'm doing and when, and, and I'll schedule my work times around when I know she's going to be otherwise occupied so that when she's free, I'm also free. And that's been a huge help. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely one of the things we've gotten more uh, under control <laughs> than used to be. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I want to ask you a couple of questions not directly uh, related to the book, Eric, but before I do that, is there anything else you want to make sure we cover from the book before we move on? No, I think that, uh, again, I think those those core pieces of intentionality, priority, and even uh, discipline and accountability mm-hmm. and your strengths, like that, that mix and even hobbies and passions, like it really is that swath of all those different things where you're really being a student of you. And by knowing where it is that you suffer from paying attention and following through and then either through leaning into your strengths or getting accountability to cover your weaknesses, you can start to get more done. Well, one thing I definitely want to mention before we move on to a couple of the questions is Eric also hosts his own podcast, an excellent podcast, uh, just a little over, I think, two years old now. Yes. Called Beyond the To Do List. We'll link to that uh, in the show notes. Definitely check it out if you haven't already. In addition to the podcast, uh, Eric, of course, has written books and he's speaking uh, uh, more and more frequently as well. And to that end, Eric, I'm curious to know because you've had the uh, opportunity to impact a lot of people with your work and uh, will continue to be able to do that at the end of the day, what do you want your, your legacy to be? It was funny. Somebody asked me this the other day. I think it was uh, on Casey Proctor's uh, Dad Life Rules. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and that's a new podcast. Everybody should go check that out. Um, he got me to say something I was surprised to say, which was, you know, he said, hey, on your tombstone, you know, what do you want it to say? And 
I thought long and hard about it, and I knew where he was going. He wanted me to say something along the lines of, you know, I'm I'm being a good example to my kids by you know showing them that you can you can follow your passion, you can do whatever you want to do, and you can dream big and and you can go after those dreams. But then I said to him, you know what? None of that matters. What I want my kids to know is that. I want them to know that I loved them Mm. and they would know that the rest of the stuff that'll come along as they know that, but that's the goal. It's not, my my goal is not to teach them like these life lessons. My, my, my role to them is to, to be their dad and to be that, that is the most unique role I can be to them. No one else can really fill that as much as well as I can, you know? And so that's the legacy. That's the legacy is like, if I suddenly was gone, I want everybody to know, Oh, he cared about me and I knew it. Mm. That's the legacy, you know? Yeah, great answer. Great answer. I haven't had that one before. I like that. Well, I uh, ask every guest, as, as you no doubt know, having been on the show before, to name for us uh, a couple of books that you've read or are currently reading that have impacted you and maybe share why or how they've impacted you as they have. Yeah, well, um, one of the ones that I'm actually kind of going through again is, <laughs> it's interesting enough, is Chris Brogan's uh, The Freaks Shall Inherit the Earth. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily for the entrepreneurial stuff, although that is very good in there. There is actually a chapter or two that is really all about systematizing your workflow and very about very much about productivity. And I'm kind of going back through that myself. <laughs> and, and in fact, I know that for a fact, it's some of the stuff that you would pay Chris to take his courses all about how to, to do productivity and to, you know, master your workflow and things like that. So if you've got the book or you need to get the book, <laughs> you should go get the book uh, by Chris Brogan, The Freaks Shall Inherit the Earth. Another one that I'm actually reading right now is one of my favorite authors, I should say, is uh, Scott Stratton's Unselling. And it's actually by Scott Stratton and Allison Kramer. They're the hosts of the Unpodcast, which is a very unique podcast in uh, how to look at business, look at uh, business more about the relationships instead of the just rote. Uh, it's treating people like people instead of numbers is is really what it comes down to. If I had to encapsulize the way they approach social media and business and online marketing and all that kind of stuff, he, he had unmarketing and QR codes kill kittens. <laughs> and <laughs> I forget, there was another book. Oh, the business book of awesome and the business book of unawesome and now uh, unselling. So that one's, oh, man, I love, I love that they're just raw and uh, you know, they get right to it. They're just like, look, if you're going to be strategic in your uh, business and in your marketing and in your inner relations with with people, then your business needs to be human and you need to treat other humans as humans, not just numbers. Sounds like somebody I need to, to reach out to. Uh... You should, actually. <laughs> well, Eric's book, again, is called Hit the Mark, Improve Your Focus, Boost Your Energy, Make the Most of Your Time. The first in the series that we, we briefly mentioned is called Ready, Aim, Fire, A Practical Guide to Setting and Achieving Go- Goals. And at the time of this, uh, this this interview is being published, both are available at Amazon uh, for the Kindle at uh, four ninety nine, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, audiobook included for free. Oh, awesome, awesome! Thank you for mentioning. I'd forgotten about that. Well, I know you're working on, or at least I would assume you're working on uh, book three in this series. But other than that, Eric, what's next on the horizon for you? What are, What are you working on that we uh, that we should know about? 
<laughs> I, I did just start working on something in the very early stages that I can't even tell anybody about, <laughs> uh, which is another book or at least a, a speaking project first and then okay. kind of incorporating it into a book. But uh, it, it's got some other productivity geek fatherhood type guys and you'll hear more about that as it comes cool. but I, it's something that we talked about doing and then it was like oh you realize we need to start working on that if we're going to have it out next year oh okay <laughs> let's do that so yeah that and uh, just my work with social media examiner with mm-hmm. social media success summit and social media marketing world i'm just really thrilled and excited to be part of what they're doing it's awesome Well, be sure to check out the other interview we did with Eric about a year ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but we'll link to that in the show notes for today's episode as well, which is readtoleadpodcast.com slash 057 for episode 57. Eric, thank you so much for coming on again and sharing with us about your latest book. We really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Jeff, thanks for having me. It's, It's always a pleasure. If you'd like to network with Eric, he's very active on Twitter. You can find him at Eric J. Fisher on Twitter. That's at... Eric with a K, the letter J, Fisher on Twitter. Everything you'd like to know about Eric, not only the second book in the series, but also the first one, the other resources and links that we talked about, can all be found at the page created just for this episode. It's called the show notes page. And you'll find today's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 057 for episode 57. Thank you to our sponsors, the Business Gets Personal event featuring Dave Ramsey, Seth Godin, and Gary Vaynerchuk, and also our friends at Blinkist. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash Dave for more on that event and readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist for more on their app. Please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. That helps the podcast get noticed by new people. You can rate and review it in iTunes by simply going to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes or on Stitcher, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Though not required, a five-star rating and review warrants a mention of you by name on this show. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. come home I don't care what you say anymore this is my life go ahead with your own life leave me alone